welcome to the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center. My name is Julianne Penzaboon. I'm the executive director here at the theater, and I can't tell you how good it is to see you all sitting in seats after a year and a half. This has been a very special weekend for us. Uh, I'd like to introduce our moderators. Every week, they explore complicated women in literature, film, and television. Please welcome from Pop Fiction Women, Kate Schumacher and Corinne Jade. And now, the New York Times best-selling authors of The Last Mrs. Parrish, and of course, The Stranger in the Mirror. Please welcome Liv Constantine, Lynn, and Valerie Constantine. Thank you, Julianne, and thank you to the West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center for hosting us tonight on the main stage. And thank you to all of you for coming and joining our discussion. As a person who grew up here in this town and used to visit this building in the 1980s and mid-90s when it was a single theater movie house, it is particularly memorable for me to have the chance to be up here to talk to all of you. It's really special for me because there's no other way that I would get up here because I cannot sing, dance, or act. So it's really a miracle that I would ever get to be on this illustrious stage. So how did I get up here? So I'm Kate, and along with Corinne, I co-host a podcast called Pop Fiction Women, where we explore, as Julian mentioned, the complicated women of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows, as well as the female creators behind the scenes. And so we cover things like Fleabag and Phoebe Waller-Bridge or Normal People and Sally Rooney and so many more. And recently we've um, started what we call our Complicated Conversations series where we invite on authors to talk about their experiences, their inspiration, their challenges, and you get to hear from them firsthand. So we've interviewed dozens of female authors um, from veteran New York Times bestselling authors to debut authors in all different genres. And we are so thrilled to take it one step further tonight with our first live podcast author interview with Liv Constantine. So at the end, as Julian said, you guys will have a chance to ask your own questions. So start thinking about those now. And so enough about us, and we'll turn it over to Corinne to introduce Liv Constantine. So we have Lynn and Valerie. They are sisters who write together under the pen name Liv Constantine. They are best-selling authors of The Last Mrs. Parrish, The Last Time I Saw You, The Wife Stalker, and now The Stranger in the Mirror. Their novels have been praised by USA Today, The Sunday Times, People Magazine, Good Morning America, by me, I'm sure by all of you. Their books have been translated into 27 languages, available in 32 countries, and are in various stages of development for film and TV. Is that surreal or what? I mean, does, is it old hat at this point or? No, it's still surreal, very yeah. much so. I mean, even hearing it sometimes, mm -hmm. yes. Like, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> So we want to start, before we get into The Stranger in the Mirror, we want to go kind of back to the beginning with your debut, The Last Mrs. Parrish, which was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick in December of 2017. And I just have to say, you, as you know, that puts you in some very enviable company in that Reese 
book club. So we've interviewed uh, a bunch of Reese Witherspoon picks, but when we interview them, as you know, we tend to speak to them before their book comes out. So it's a secret that they are a Reese Witherspoon pick. And as many of you probably know, if you get picked by Reese, you, the author, knows well in advance, but they are sworn to secrecy. So we are really excited to talk to someone who has sort of lived through it and is allowed to tell the tale now. So can you sort of take us back to when you first found out that your debut novel was gonna have the yellow sticker on the front and what you can share from that experience? Definitely. Uh, yeah, so we were together in uh, Annapolis. We were doing, we were on our book tour and we were at a book club. And I got an email from our agent saying, Emily, who is our editor at HarperCollins, Emily and I need to speak with you. So I said, what are we in trouble? Uh, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> I felt like I was being called <laughs> right. to the principal. No, 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 it's, it's, everything's fine, but we just have to talk to both of you. So we went back to Valerie's later that day and we both picked up an extension and Valerie's husband was sitting there and they said, are you sitting down? And we said yes, and then they, Emily said, the last Mrs. Parrish has been chosen as Reese's pick for December. So of course we were screaming and whooping, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're kidding me. And, and then she said, and you can't tell anyone, this is not the even your husband. And we were like, oh, oh. okay. So, and my, my brother-in-law, Valerie's husband is darling, but he secret. cannot keep a secret, <laughs> save his life. So, you know, we're thinking, 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 we hang up and he looks at us, he says, what, what's going on? And, and I'm, I said, oh, they're doing an article about us. And he was like, oh, oh quick thinking. Oh. You know? so weird. Weirdo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, so we had to keep it quiet for, I think, about three weeks because it was, at that time, now they do it on the first of the month, but they did it like in the middle of the month. So we were afraid to even Google the book. Like we were so paranoid, we can't, we can't do anything. And then once, of course, it came out, then we were thrilled and we could share it with everybody. But it was, it was really hard to well, keep that secret. Well, three weeks isn't too bad because my friend Christy was like three months. Oh, I was going to say now oh, they tell really, them even oh further gosh, in advance yeah. and they have to keep it a secret that uh, long. Oh, the whole wow. time. Oh, that yeah. would be so hard. Right? Yeah. yeah. No, that was long enough for yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. But we're here today talking about The Stranger in the Mirror. Since The Last Mrs. Parrish, you have not rested on your Reese Pick laurels, <laughs> right? You are here with your fourth twisty psychological thriller, The Stranger in the Mirror. Tell us a little bit about this book and how it came to be. The way, well, the way it came to be is interesting. Lynn and I always spend probably two, maybe three months talking about, we, we think of our twist first, and then we talk about the plot line and do sort of a general idea. We, we don't do a strict outline and develop our characters, and et cetera. Lynn lives in Connecticut. I live in Maryland. So we're five hours away from each other and we're not in person that often. Well, in 2019, I'm losing track of yes. years now <laughs> yeah. after the pandemic. We had, we had the good fortune to be at a book festival in the United Arab Emirates, the Sharjah book festival and so we had 10 days together and we had finished the first draft of a book that neither one of us was super excited about my hearing feedback um, and Lynn said to me how would you feel about just putting that away and starting something new and I said that, that I would love that because we were just confused we didn't really know what direction we wanted to go in and that so and then she said how about we write something about, we, we have a character who has amnesia. So there really wasn't any story at that point. It was just the idea of using amnesia as the sort of crux or the trope for the story. And that was exciting. But the other exciting part was that 
we knew we had to do a lot of research and we were both really interested in that, the research that we would be doing. So that was the kernel of it. And then the story came. And we're going to talk about the research. We'll get yeah, to that yeah, definitely because yeah. I'm sure really you had to. I do want to start with your female protagonist, with Addison Hope. As we mentioned, obviously, we on this podcast like to explore the complicated women of our favorite books, movies, and TV shows. And our tagline is, we're complicated. And people often ask, what does that even mean? So to us, it just means real three-dimensional human beings with contradictions and conflict who also just happen to be women. And Addison certainly qualifies. Uh, she has a lot of the hallmarks that we love of a complicated woman. She's mysterious. She has secrets. We love a buried past. And because of the trauma she's been through and her amnesia, I love how we're, as Addison's learning about herself, we, the readers, are also learning about her past um, and who she is. And the book starts, first page, so I'm not giving anything away. There are no spoilers, but um, she's engaged um, to a wonderful man, and but she's hesitant. She doesn't remember her past. And so you set up this great question, how can you truly know someone when their entire past is a mystery? And I love that hook and that, that way into Addison. So can you talk a little bit about the development of her as a character and any challenges maybe that you faced when writing Addison? Yeah, and we were we had very challenged when we first developed Addison because she doesn't know anything beyond the past two years. When the book opens, she's been living in Philadelphia for two years after being found on the side of the road by a kindly trucker with no identification, nothing. And so we didn't really, I mean, we knew her backstory, but she didn't. And so trying to develop this character with really no past, we didn't want her to be cardboard or you know just sort of boring you know so we had to imbue her with characteristics but also when you have when someone has amnesia they're not exactly they're not necessarily the same person that they even were before so what we really tried to delve into was how would it feel to be a person who didn't know what would you be struggling with so even if you didn't know who you were you would still be grappling with what is my past? Where did I come from? How do I move forward if I can't, if I never can recover this? Are there people looking for me? And so we, we tuned in, I think, to that emotional um, dissonance that she is feeling and really tried to embody that in the character. And then beyond that, what we found partly through the research and partly what we knew about trauma is that even though she doesn't have a cognitive memory of her trauma, she has, her body remembers it. You know, our bodies, keep trauma in that. So we were able to also have certain things trigger a response in her, whether it was a certain smell or a certain sound that she would hear. And that helped to make her three-dimensional. And, and then as she grew and became to know herself, we did too. Because it was a real concern. We, could, we didn't want this character that we had to care about her. And readers had to care about her, but who was she? So. Right. And it, that, that probably informed your decision to start two years out, right? Because you had started right away, oh, yeah. really saying what's going on, what was happening to me. But two years, you have to move on to some extent. Even though you don't have those answers, you have to keep moving on. So it was And a, you do have a past, even though it's just a two year past, right, there is right. still something that you, ha you can think back on and know about. Right, right. 
Well, Addison isn't the only complicated woman in yeah. this book. We also get Blythe's point of view, who will be Addison's soon-to-be mother-in-law. I struggled with Blythe at first because, maybe because it was a little bit like my own mother and her over-involvement. <laughs> she gets, she's, she's in there. My mother's uh, here, so I can't talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Corinne's doing this one. <laughs> But she is more complex than that. And honestly, as a mother myself, I do understand the, I, I, I mean, can't imagine, first of all, just having someone come home to meet you as, you know, your, your child's spouse, and then what do I know, what do I not know, what's okay to not know, and Gabriel's obviously very okay with it, but she is a little more skeptical, I think, as any mother would be. So. Talk about Blythe, why you wanted to use her as a point of view, because she's not just a character in the book. We get her point of view. You do get her point um, of view. And, and where she came from for we you. We loved Blythe. We, we really liked her. And we, we wanted her to be a good character. We didn't want it to be a stereotypical sort of mother-in-law who's clawing at her son. The family is very close. They're a close-knit family. She's very involved in her children's lives. And she's concerned. She's concerned that her son is going to get hurt eventually. If this young woman ever discovers what her past is, maybe she has a husband, maybe she has a child, she sees, and again, this is not a spoiler because you know this at the very beginning of the book, there are scars on her arms telling her that there was a time that she made an attempt on her life. And so the potential mother-in-law is looking at that thinking, what dark past does this young woman have? What is she mentally stable? And even Addison understands the trepidation and the sort of hesitation that this mother, potential mother-in-law has. She's experiencing it too, right? About, yeah, you know? right. She is. Yeah, and I yeah. think we found it difficult. You know, we we didn't initially intend to have Blight's point of view because we it was really going to be Addison and Julian. And we realized that it would be leaving a big part of the story out without that she was a really a necessary point of view to, to bring mm -hmm. in. And it was, it was a little bit different from us. But as Valerie said, I think she became really one of our, fa one of our favorite characters. And she certainly ended up being the stand-in for us, for the readers, right? She's yes. thinking the same thing we yes, are. Like, exactly. what is going on? I'm not even this person's mother, but <laughs> right. what? And she, was, and she did try to help yeah. Addison she did. as yeah. well. She, yes. was, she didn't just dismiss no. her out of hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but she, I mean, she felt, you know, I have just sons, I don't have any daughters, and when they were little, I used to think, oh, I hope maybe the girls that they marry are orphans, or they, you know, they don't right, belong right. in their family. <laughs> 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 yeah. But then I realized, you know, <laughs> that really you want somebody who is close to her family, and who, and who cherishes, Cher right. and sees the importance of family, because then she'll realize yeah. that her husband's family is important, too. Yeah. And I think that was Blythe's feeling. Like, yeah. you know, I, can't, I don't want to lose my son, and I don't want him to be hurt. Yes. yes. So. Well, I'd, I would not call her a villain at all. I liked her very much. Good. Julian, on the other hand, we'll see. But, yeah. but I do want to talk about, I've heard you say that you love writing villains, which it sounds like it would be so much fun. So I completely understand that. But I also heard you say that readers like to read characters who are over the top, who are doing things that maybe we wouldn't normally do, but how that can be a challenge when it's your protagonist who's doing the quote unquote bad thing. I mean, we all know that good people do bad things, but when you're writing, how do you sort of resist the urge to mitigate their mm -hmm. actions or mm -hmm. make excuses for them? Because 
what we love, obviously, when we're talking about complicated characters, is when we get to read characters who do get to embrace all sides of themselves. So, but I would imagine when you're writing that, you know, there is a little urge, particularly when it's your protagonist, to maybe massage that a little. Oh, is but that going to be too much? Yeah, you definitely. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, and that's where revision comes in, oftentimes, where it is the same thing. We'll start to do something, and we'll talk about what what the character is doing, and one of us will say. Are we letting her off the hook too easily? Yeah. And we say, yeah, because we we do. We have that tendency to want to protect and know she can't go there. So it come it does come with the back and forth and the discussion. And then and we do try to. I mean, they still probably don't do. I mean, we're not doing like the Gone Girl, right? Right. 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 I right. mean, some of our characters, but not our protagonists so right. much. But it, it is it definitely is a struggle because you want if she's going to do something bad you want her to have a good reason for it you don't want her to just be doing it because she feels like it and that's really not true to life because good people I mean we you know yeah we all do yeah. stuff that we shouldn't do and you know yes we right. usually do have to go back and yeah and rewrite the good character because it, she's yeah. too perfect right yes uh -huh. she's too she perfect. did that because she was forced to do it right. right no sometimes you just do things because you do them and right. there right. there isn't a good reason for it yeah so, right yeah. But the villains are yeah. wonderful to write. Yeah, right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I've always heard actors say that's the role, that's the really meaty role, the bad person, the villain. Is it because you feel free with that? Like you don't feel the the issues we just talked about, yeah. the urge to make excuses or whatever. Right. This is the villain. You can just be completely free, and they can do whatever. Basically. Yeah, we fight over those. Was writing <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that one. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, we have on our podcast, we have a segment called What's Your Damage, Heather, which is taken from the um, Heathers. Heathers, <laughs> yes, yes. But today we wanted to ask, What's Your Damage? Oh. Really, what we mean is you have no trouble exploring the dark side of human nature, as we've been talking about. You really seem to dig into psychology of your, of your characters, the villains, and the protagonists. The Stranger in the Mirror is obviously no exception to that. We're not doing spoilers, but we can say as in so many of your books, they deal with weighty topics like mental and physical abuse, but it's also a page turner. So people always want to hear, how does a writer go to such dark places? How do you mine your imaginations to get up that really good stuff? Well, <laughs> is it from reading? It is, yeah, is that what you like to read? Definitely, yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. Your Greek grandmother. Oh, your Greek oh, Or your Greek grandmother. We have the dark stories from the Greek. I mean, yeah, some of it is that. She's not here to protect herself, so I can't, you know, or to defend herself. But I do think a lot of it is reading and, and film. And, you know, of course, we've met our share of sociopaths. We're not, fortunately, we're not married to them. My husband is here, so <laughs> my son is here. But I think we've all encountered people, and we all see situations and drama in, in all shapes and forms. So it's, it's just taking that, I think, a step. And I was a psychology major, and of uh, course, my favorite topic was abnormal psychology. Yeah. And, I, and we, have, we do more research into that, and I have a good friend who's a psychologist. So we, we sort of know when we have these characters what their diagnosis is to a degree and what kind of, what the characteristics and then we work within that construct but fortunately you know we haven't lived through the stuff that we've written right yeah. right and so. we don't dream about it either right oh. yeah <laughs> it so, doesn't so, invade yeah someone told us i can't remember which author it was but just a few days ago that her characters talked to her oh, oh yeah. like no it's not just no. about the things in the book but other things yeah, yeah. That's okay. That's All right. Don't you talk to you? Get better boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> or some medicine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, so, so I want to get a little into your origin story, um, how you two got started writing together. I mean, your sisters, which we're going to get back to too, <laughs> but other than that, you each had your own careers. Lynn, you write separately, actually under another pen name. Yeah. So how did you two decide to write a book together and sort of take us back to when these two sisters decided, hey, let's, let's do this thing? Actually, the first book that we wrote, we wrote twen over 20 years ago. Yes. Uh -huh. It's called Circle Dance. Yes. And it is a family saga about two Greek sisters. Biographical. No, and it was picked up by a small press, mm -hmm. and about 2,500 copies. And of course, we didn't know what we were doing. We, Lynn bought a book. Lynn's famous for buying how-to books. Mm. How to so, write and sell yes, your how to write and sell your first novel. That was the book. <laughs> it worked. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this was in the days before email and laptops. So we worked at the desktop, and we were both working full time. We would meet uh, one late a week after work. I think we wrote three pages a week each. Of I think us it was supposed funded. to be like three a day, 15, but, but it never was. It never <laughs> ended up being that much, yeah. Uh, and it took a year. And, it, and you had to copy, you know, you had to print it out and mail this big package to agents to submit your book, which was expensive. Yeah. And you had to wait, like they would say, well, if you don't hear from us in six months, then that means it's a pass or we're not, but they, but they never would get back to you with an answer, yes or no. So it was really frustrating. But anyway, it did finally get published. We did go back and do a lot of editing on it afterwards, and then we stopped. Lynn moved to Connecticut. She had twins, and she homeschooled them. Uh, and I was working. My children were gone at that point. And, and then Lynn went to Thriller I went to Fest. Thriller Fest in 2014. So I was writing the, under, I write under Elsie Shaw, as you said. And I had been working on my thriller for like 10 years. And I saw, an, I think in Writer's Digest, an, an ad for Thriller Fest. And I said to my husband, maybe I should go. We were in Connecticut. It was in New York, an hour away. He said, yeah, you should, definitely should. So I went. And I remember thinking, well, you know, I wrote a book. The book was, whatever, 10 years earlier. And I'm meeting people who are younger than I am who've written 15 books already. And I thought, OK, you know, either you're a real slouch and you need to get, get back to writing or don't call yourself a writer. And so then I came back, and that is when we re-edited Circle Dance, and we launched it on, you know, ebook. Built a website. I finished that one, and then Valerie, I dragged her to Thriller Fest with me the next year, and that's when we started collaborating again. And it was a couple years after that that we wrote The Last Mrs. Parish, and then from there. So yeah. Thriller Fest is a four-day, four or five-day conference in New York. Thriller writers. So there are craft classes um, and just panels. Panels, and it, it's a wonderful thing for aspiring writers and it's just a great learning experience and there are pe people like Lee Child and mm -hmm. David Burrell really top David Baldacci yeah, yeah a lot of big authors go yeah. to it so, so and were you just on board you were, she said she let's said do well it. I said let's come I want you to come and she said well I don't write thrillers she didn't know that <laughs> she was going to be writing them one day and I said it doesn't matter because really the writing craft whether it's thriller it doesn't matter what it is it, it was about the craft so she came and got inspired. And then when we wrote The Last Mrs. Parrish, we didn't think it was a thriller. So we really wrote it. I mean, we were, had the story inspiration, and we just thought it was fiction. 
And when we got our agent, she said, this is a psychological thriller, and it kind of bridges both. So we said, oh, all right. Yeah, it was, there's okay. no murder or anything in it. So then, we, you know, but then we, of course, graduated to murder and subsequent books. Yeah. So <laughs> we get to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> graduated exactly. to it. Well, Kate and I love a good origin story. And actually, you're part of a, oh, a piece of ours. We have oh, a few origin stories really? when we first met. Uh, when we started this podcast, but one we don't talk about a lot is when we started writing together, which, which it sounds no one knows this. Story, I know it sounds like. actually eerily like this. So yeah. I read, well, we both. I read the last Mrs. Parish. I loved it. I'm like Kate, you have to read this book. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this if book. Corinne tells me to read something. I read it. So, so she read it, and I said, I, I think it was the first time I was aware of two authors writing together, and so I said, we can do this. Let's let's write a book. And All because of the last Mrs. Oh, Parish. Oh, so yes. nice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, we did. We did. We, we talked to your agent. And we'll now get back we to have you. a podcast. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, but this is funny because it's leading into my next question. So about how you two write together. I know everyone I know that's come, coming tonight says, I want to know how two people write together. And so we did a lot of research about, I had written on my own, she had written on her own about logistically how you do it and how you come up with the idea. And she said something to me about, Google Docs, and I was like, what is Google Docs? I'm admitting to this, this uh, theater that I did not know what Google Docs was. This was like, it was, pro it was January 2018, so it was right after The Last Mrs. Parrish came out. She's like, well, then we can both be in the document together. I mean, I'm a lawyer. It's Microsoft Word or nothing. Yeah. I don't know how to I use kind Excel. Of agree with that. Yeah, I don't no. know how to use anything else. So I was like, wait. She still gets scared when I come in the document when she's in it. She's I'm like, like there's two people in the document. Like, something bad could happen. Yeah. I did not know of this collaborative way in which you could both be in a document. But anyway, so I know how we worked it out. But so talk to us a little bit about sort of your, maybe the brainstorming process, how that works together. You already mentioned that you work on your twists first. Right. I know you, everyone wants to know that process of how you guys come up with the twists and then how you literally write together. Okay, well first let me say that we don't use Google Docs okay. either. Okay. And I wouldn't like somebody in there at the same time <laughs> at all. My little so, face yeah. pops no, up. No, it's no, very no, disturbing. No. We use track no changes and that way we can see. We I use love word track and track changes. You can see like, <laughs> see, no, I'm yes. not gonna do what you want there. Or yes, I'm gonna, that, that's what don't we need. Don't change my word. Right. Don't, <laughs> right. yes. Yeah. Yes. I can't, I, I'm very yes. unnerved also by yeah. Google Docs. Yes. But so the way that we work together is we do, we brainstorm for it depends if we're lucky we get an idea in a couple of weeks other times we can go back and forth for a month month and a half and we do talk about the twist first so we'll say what if you know what about a woman who is such and such and then we go back and forth and usually we hit when we hit on it we both know we'll look at each other and say yeah that's it that's what we're going to write about and then we develop the characters and the setting and that goes on we talk for hours every day usually zoom used to be FaceTime and when we begin the actual writing process, we write individually. So I'm in my office, Valerie's in her office. We know what scenes we're each working on. And we email each other. And then we speak at the end of the day and we discuss what was written and we continue that way. And we've now reached a point where I may write half of a chapter and send it to Valerie and say, you want to finish this? And she'll do the same to me. There are certain parts of the writing that one enjoys more than the other. I don't really like writing descriptions, so I'll just put in caps 
describe like, the room. Right. It's great. <laughs> right? it's great. Yeah. Say what this is right. And she, Valerie might send something to me and say, ramp up the, this dialogue. And that's how we work back and forth. We feel very free to edit in each other's work. And we, and we you know, let each other know. And it's a very safe place because we're doing, we're sharing first draft, which as you know, is, is not perfect, but there's not ever criticism. It's just all, I mean, the probably harshest criticism might be, well, yeah, it's good. It could use a little work. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay. And yeah. then we, and then we go from there. Yeah. yeah. And, and it continues like that until we get to a first draft and then and then we do the second draft. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, then the editing. Then I edit. know you said the editing so, is hard. Um, so you, one of us will take that first draft and completely edit it and in track changes <laughs> and send it to the other and say, your turn. Either you know, accept, reject, whatever. And then we read it again. We probably wind up reading a manuscript five million times, oh. it seems like. And, and it just goes on that way. And before we turn it in, finally, to our editor. But in the, in the process, Lynn will send me pictures of all of the characters. So I get an email and, it, oh. and it'll be, here's Blight. <laughs> and are these pictures of actresses sometimes, that you think should play? Usually not. Usually they'll be, you know, sometimes Valerie will be like, no, I don't like her. Uh -huh. All right, I'll send you another. So I'll say, how about this one? Okay. So I'll you're a visual, that. like, you're like yeah. I need yeah. to be visual. Well, and then too. I send her houses. Yeah. Oh. Here's where they live. Oh. Right. Oh. But of course, I have to go on Zillow or Realtor.com yes. for that. So I get tons of emails <laughs> in Malibu, California. It's a twenty-eight million dollar house yeah, for you right. to look at in Malibu. Um, so we, yeah, we both have that visual thing going on too. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, what is your favorite part of writing, either in general or together? I, I think I like the first draft because it's yeah. there's a lot of freedom there, yeah. right? You can, it's just organic and developing, and you know it's going to change. So that would be. You like the first draft. I do. I, I like the polishing part. Mm. Oh, so yeah. that's oh, good. That's a good yeah, complimentary. So, yes. yes. Yeah. And what's your least favorite part of writing? When we get edits back from our editors. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, seems to be everybody's sting. least oh, favorite gosh. part. Yes. Take a day. Yeah, of course. And not. She sends us our edits like at five in the afternoon when she knows we can't email her or <laughs> call her. And, but now we've learned that the day after we get them, we look at it and say, yeah, she's, yeah. she's right. right. Yeah. Darn it, she's right. Yeah. And, but that's tedious. Right. Because we have to do that together. We have to go through the whole document and it can take, we can be on the phone with each other for 10 hours yeah. a day yeah. doing, going through every edit. Right, and deciding what are yeah. we gonna do with that's this. Right. Fun. Well, there's a point in this story, in The Stranger in the Mirror, when Addison thinks she may have been an exotic dancer in her previous <laughs> life because she doesn't know she could be anything. And we were curious, what profession would you be delighted to find out you were doing in a previous life? Oh, mm. I thought you were going to ask if no, one of us had been. <laughs> we were not. So, glad so you didn't I mean, that. if you want to yeah. offer it up. <laughs> Singer for me. Oh, that's oh, mine. That's, is that you? I had just said that to her before. I mean, oh, hence definitely. my whole, I can't believe I'm on the stage. Right. Yeah. yeah. If I could singer. sing, oh. So you've always wanted that. I've yeah. always wanted to be a singer. I'm terrible. Can you sing? I can't sing a note. I can sing in a choir, but I, you oh, know, I can't so, do a solo. Let me tell you something. When, when we were younger, because we were 13 years apart, I, my, I have this memory of riding in the car with Valerie and there was a Beatles song on and I was singing along happily. I must have been <laughs> 10 or something. Oh. And she looks singing at me. Singing along happily is not a good start. Right. Well, <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, you know, 
You're supposed to try to sound like that. Oh, sing oh. oh. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Oh, of course, but anyway. Of course, <laughs> the oldest is right. I don't it's even remember that. You know, it's yes. a pickle thing. Yes, yes. it is. I would say actor. Okay, oh. and I think I'd, that would probably be mine closer to singer, closer then. And you mentioned earlier, just to, to close out sort of your writing process, questions about research. Yeah. And I mean, with this one, I'm sure you had to do a, a lot of research on amnesia, maybe as you mentioned, trauma and how that sort of kept within your body. So tell us a little bit about that and if sort of anything interesting that came out of that. Tell that, yeah, yeah. So, the, so the thing that we were both very surprised to learn, we did know, of course, that trauma, even if you don't remember it, it you sort of hold it in your body. But there was an experiment done, <clears throat> excuse me, with um, these mice where they put a substance that smelled like cherry blossoms and they shocked the mice at the same time over a period of, of weeks until the mice would cower in fear just from the smell of the cherry blossoms. So then they, what they did is they bred them with mice who had not been exposed to this. And two generations later, when they exposed the mice pups to the smell, they also cowered wow. in fear. So that was very sobering to know that trauma that you don't even that you were not privy to, experienced, yeah. maybe didn't even know, could go back generations wow. that we could all be carrying, which could explain phobias and just a lot about our you know, different ways that people react to things without realizing it. So it was very interesting. And yeah, another interesting part of the research that we did was to uh, read interviews and blogs with people who actually are suffering from amnesia and who have never regained memory because we felt that we could try to imagine what that would be like to not remember anything about your past, but I don't think you really can know what it's truly like unless you've experienced it. So that was wonderful that there were people who wrote about that and wrote about their emotions, their feelings, what it was like to wake up every day and just feel like an empty, like a blank slate. But the other part that we really hadn't thought about was that if someone loses their memory and has no, and no one has come to them and said, here, the, you know, you, you belong to this family and this was your name, right. and here's your they, life, they know nothing which was Addison's case right. because she had no ID, no telephone, has no idea. So you cannot get a birth certificate. You can't open a bank account. You can't get a driver's license. Can't get a job. You can't get a job. You can't rent an apartment or buy a house. And one of the uh, blogs that I read, this gentleman, this is what had happened to him. And he said, I went to every government agency that I could think of. And every single one of them said, Sorry, there's nothing we can do. Oh boy, and wow. it was just, and it's heartbreaking. That, mm -hmm. What a horrible thing, right? To yeah. really, on top of what has already happened life. to you, right? Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I would think the research part is, I'm sure, such a fascinating oh, part of it. So I'm going to switch gears yes. a little hard <laughs> here. We have some speed round questions that I'm just <laughs> throwing in here oh, in the middle. Oh. So you guys clearly spend a lot of time together, as you mentioned, writing together, and of course your sisters. This so is not like the dating game. It, it is. Sounds yeah. like. <laughs> that's okay. that's okay. Yes. Yeah. So you must know each other really well. So I have a little speed round of questions, like the newlywed game style, exactly, okay. yeah. to see just how well you know each other. Oh, right. So they're supposed to be quick answers. I'm going to start. Which one of you is more likely to procrastinate about a deadline? Valerie. Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who writes better dialogue? Probably Lynn. 
who writes the better mean girl voice? I don't know. I think we I both do. Yeah. 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 I agree. Which of you obsesses over bad reviews the most? Valerie. Me. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't read reviews. I was going to say, do you read them? No, right. okay, I do. Smart. I don't read them. I have to field them all. Okay, good. Okay. Which talent that your sister has do you most wish you had? So, Val, what talent does Lynn have that you wish you had? Singing, I guess. No. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. She's still mm -hmm. getting in the Sarka, dig. Right, isn't she? <laughs> um, you, have a, you have a good wit. Oh, yeah. oh thank you. And Lynn, how about you? You have great warmth. Oh. Yes. Oh, there you go. So do you. And what yeah. trait of yours drives you crazy about your sister? Oh, boy. Oh, she's bossy. Oh, <laughs> that was easy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. She's, so many, She's right? a little sensitive. <laughs> okay. Oh, a little sensitive. <laughs> okay. And this one, I love this one, and this is, uh -oh. I, this is all yeah. current. So if you had amnesia, as Addison does, which of the female characters from your novels... Any one of them. Yeah, this yes. one or your prior ones, would you want helping you put your life back together? And who would you not want helping you? Oh, well, definitely wouldn't want Amber helping That's it. That's it. <laughs> Amber, Amber from the last yeah. Mrs. Parish, we do not stand. want to help. I would want Daphne. I would, oh. was going to say they're or Meredith. Or Blythe. I thought Blythe. Blythe. Yeah, Blythe would be Blythe good knows too. how to get stuff done. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I be. think she could She's help. She's not going to just let it go, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Right. So we want to talk about family a little bit. There is a section that you, oh wait, did I? No, that's it. Early in the book that you talk from Addison's point of view. I'm going to read the quote. There are times I feel overwhelmed, like I'm all alone in the world, connected to nothing. I try to imagine what it must be like to have a mother and a father, siblings maybe, to belong to someone. And then I think maybe they're out there somewhere, my family wondering where I am and what happened to me. I'm not a whole person and I never will be until I know my real ident identity. So we've already talked about the fact that you're sisters. And then I wanted to ask who this book is dedicated to. Mm. It's is sister-in-laws? Yes. yes, my yes. sister's-in-law. And what uh, all family means to you, because we can't think of anything more complicated than family, right? <laughs> it's never right. one thing. Yeah. They, they yeah. see you, but they also don't let you grow as much as maybe you'd want to, so. Yeah, I, I mean, Honey and Lynn are there, our sisters-in-law, and they are good, you know, best friends as well. And we were both very lucky that we love our brothers, but we we, we are pals with our sisters-in-law. And I would what say. bonus! It is yeah. a big bonus. I mean, they read all of our books first, and yeah, I mean, I'm the youngest, so I think from so I didn't, shouldn't have done that. I think for me, I know <laughs> I hear that where you're kind of cast into a role as a 18 or 19 year old and you grow and your older brothers still look at you that way and it's extremely frustrating. I think that they've moved beyond that finally, you know. At point. what age does that happen? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a long time. Yeah, I mean, that, with, it's never been an issue with Valerie and me because of anybody, you know, she sees me and I see her. We just know each other That's beyond great. that. But, and I think you know, now it's kind of nice. They're very proud of us, and they kind they're very supportive, and they look at it differently. And I think too, I helped my brother, my one brother. I had a real estate license years ago. I used to manage it, and when I negotiated a deal, a really good deal for him, and bought the head, he was like, "Oh, I see you." Yeah, in a new way so you're now. not just yeah. Like, yeah so. Oh, look at you, a human being. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, they, and and they all have children and grandchildren now, and that makes a difference too. I think. When, sure. Yeah. yeah, we're all at a different stage in our lives, and uh, but we've always been a really close family. We have, and but I think too, mm -hmm. to your point, now 
it's a little more siloed, which is a, which is a bit difficult, and especially in the past couple years with the pandemic and not being able, you know, it's been tough because usually my family is in Connecticut, but we've always gone back two or three times a year, and that hasn't been able to happen, and that's been tough for us and for the kids. But also, they are very busy now. They have a lot of little grandkids, and so it's not that they don't care or want to be together, but it, it becomes, you've got a limited amount of time, right. and that's... And a lot to manage a lot of people. Well, Kate and I both, uh, we don't have sisters. We yeah. only have brothers. So, oh, okay. Yeah. We're so missing we're, that part. Yeah. This, the this brothers, are, are, you the, are they older or younger? I'm the oldest. Kate I'm is the not. youngest. Yeah. Okay, so you, Corinne's really into birth order, too, and I what am. that tells oh. you about yourself. So we're, yeah. we're the youngest. Okay. Right? Yeah. And we're the oldest. oldest. Yes. Yeah. See? Know, Although she says you're the bossy one. The younger ones, are we the bossy ones? Yes. I don't know. Uh, I am, but I didn't she even hesitate. You're bossy. <laughs> I'm right. That's the difference. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's right. Yeah, well, right. it's true. I mean, you do say that, but you, like, <laughs> I'll be going down one path, and Valerie will say, well, have you thought about doing I mean, I almost sold my house and moved to Florida because of a comment that she made. And then, yeah. then she's like, oh, we're not doing that now. <laughs> okay, thanks for <laughs> cluing me in. Yes. Oh, yeah, right. well, we just interviewed Karen Slaughter and she was talking oh, about birth order and she has sisters and she said that she's the oldest, right? No, she's no. the middle. Yes. So oh. either way, she said her sister, if her no, sister- No, she's the youngest, like my mom. My mom's the youngest of three girls. Okay, that was it. But she said, if her sister looks at her and says, your hair looks nice today. She goes, what, what you wrong? hear is, <laughs> My hair has looked horrible every other day of my life, except today. Like, yeah, that's okay. usually a mom that, thing. Yeah, yeah. so she Definitely. feels like that's what it's like with sisters, and yeah. so we don't, we don't have that. No. So. so there is a reference that I have to talk about oh, on page yes. 130 to Addison's driver's license, and it has her date of birth. And it says it's June 8th, 1984. And we know she made it up, but or yes. from the right. Yes, yes. but yes. when we see a date of birth, we think, astrology and what's your sign because we are both lawyers we are both control freaks admittedly everyone who knows me is chuckling and so the way that we personally sort of let go of the reins a little bit and sort of accept that maybe there's something bigger in the universe or the stars is through astrology and it is a real side interest of ours so we always ask our authors about their signs but with this, I had to first ask, um, that would make her a Gemini, okay. June 8th. Did you purposely make Addison a you Gemini picked, or did you I just no pick idea. a date? No, we have ah, no idea. Darn yeah. it. Okay, because she's a Gemini. I, right. My son is here and he's a Gemini and he does not want to hear this. And Corinne's husband, <laughs> is, husband is a Gemini. Sure. Yeah. My but son there's, is a Gemini. There's okay. a duality in them. I know it's symbolized by the twins, mm -hmm. which is often mischaracterized as two-faced. Two but it's really not. It means that they have, they're adaptable, there are two sides to them, and she certainly, as a character, has multiple sides to herself. Almost her now, before see, and this after. would be yeah. the kind of thing where if someone were doing a book report, yeah. they would say, and, and here is yes. the author right. deliberately <laughs> no. picked I know, June. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yes. I just and had to know. ask, yeah, just in case yes. you yeah. had that. To. So I also, I figured out that you are Pisces, you're February 26, yeah. mm -hmm. right? I don't know what you are. Why don't you guess? I, I don't know <laughs> enough yet. Corinne would be good at this. Yeah, oh, yeah. Corinne, you should do it. I know, but the oh. birth order has messed me up. Oh, the bossy okay. thing. That's I mean, a likely story. Yeah, mm. well, I would give you a fire sign. That's what I'll give you. Uh, Aries, Sagittarius, Sagittarius or Leo. Leo. Sagittarius. 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 <laughs> Look at that. Oh, wow. You're good. 
So do you relate at all to your signs or have any interest in, in astrology? We used to. We used to, yeah, but yeah, now. But, but, I, but look at this. She really, she got it right on the yeah. fire sign. Yeah. 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 yeah, no, not our. I don't know. I really think you did on Addison, even if you didn't on purpose, because she seems like a real Gemini to me. She does. Could have yeah. Been. Yeah. See? Yeah. Maybe that was subconscious. See? Right. There you, you go. didn't even know right. it. There you go. So we also love to talk to our authors about what you're loving right now, what you're reading, what you're watching on TV, uh, movies, anything that you're really into right now. Okay. Watching on TV. I just watched, this was a 2019 film, Ophelia. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. with Daisy Ridley, mm -hmm. uh, and it is the story of Ophelia in a totally different way. And she, she talks at the very beginning to the audience and says, "You think that you know the story of Ophelia, but you really don't. And I'm mm -hmm. going to tell you the truth about it. And, and it's fabulous. It's really interesting. And it's in set within play, mm -hmm. and it makes sense. And she's not this trod downtrodden little, you know." Victim. So it's like yeah, good, really good. reimagining. So along the same vein, I'm watching Gossip Girl, the original. <laughs> nice. <laughs> reimagining of a classic. Yes. Of course. I never saw it, and I and even before I knew that it was being re-released, I was home one day and I was out of everything, and I, and I'm really enjoying it and loving it. So. It's, so you didn't watch the original? No, I'm watching the okay. original now, and I okay. love it. It's oh, yeah. so good. It's so yeah. good. It's and, so and good. Mayor, Mayor of Easton. Oh, oh, that was Everybody amazing too. That. Yeah. yeah. That I haven't finished it yet. So oh, like, gosh. Oh, it was so good. I hope they do a second and Yeah, second but season. But do you try to sort of avoid psychological thrillers or your genre? We or? really can't because we get so many blurb requests. Oh, of course. Yeah. And, and so many arcs to read. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then we, too, want to support yeah. friends yeah. and other. Yeah, so I'm reading Samantha Downing's For Your Own Good right okay. now. Just finished Heather Gutenkoff's newest that comes out in, like, another year, The Overnight Guest, which was really good. Oh, and, okay. and, uh, and I'm reading perfect, Her Perfect Life by... Uh, Hank Philippi Ryan, which comes out in a few months, I think, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That is one of the perks. Yeah, Advanced reader yes. 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 We feel that way too. And yeah. We don't get as many you're as you're ahead of, yeah. <laughs> You're ahead of it, but not as far in well, We were just talking to Lisa Unger and I'm like, she was asking, what are you reading next? I'm like, I'd really like to read, pointed to her arc. That's, she's like, oh my gosh, I, I'll send it to you. I thought I had. I said, no. So like, yeah, yeah. my darling husband, yeah. Give me that, yes. Well, we're very excited for Nine Perfect Strangers. That, that adaptation is coming on Hulu. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah oh. Liam. In like this Wait, month. It's being released soon? Yeah, it's yeah. being released soon. Wow. Nicole Kidman? Mm -hmm. Yes. But to that point, I, I'm Leanne lives in Australia and I'm obsessed. I'm also watching a real estate show that's set in Sydney and just very obsessed. So I was curious if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, where would you go? Because mine would definitely be Australia. Would it? Yeah. Greece. Greece. Ooh, that's good. Good yeah, I would yeah. have to say Greece, too. I really miss Greece. Yeah. Do you still have family there? We have cousins. Okay. Distant cousins. Yes. Yeah. Well, we need to, I think, yeah. let the audience have a chance to ask you guys some questions. I think there are micro... I shouldn't be the one coordinating yes. this. But there are microphones set up so that uh, you can ask. Lynn or Val, anything you want. Can you hear me all right? Yes. Absolutely. So I'm fascinated by the process of the two of you writing together, and, and it sounds remarkably harmonious. Is it ever not? <laughs> Do you have, for example, a complete disagreement, a fork in the road, one person wants to go one way, the other person wants to go the other? And if so, how do you resolve it? Or have you ever not? 
Have great we have a question? Yeah. That's a Another great question. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We have a big no. <laughs> Typically, if we have a disagreement, it, it comes in the beginning stages when we're building the story and we're not sure yet where we're going and one might want to go down this road. And so we just talk it out until we can both agree because we have to both be excited. So say if I wanted to write one scenario and Valerie doesn't really think it's anything she could get behind, then that has to be dispensed with and vice versa. And then when we're, once we're going and we know the story and the characters, occasionally something will come up where we have a disagreement and then we'll say, all right, let's think about this. What would the character do? So you have a character who has X, Y, and Z. Would she really do this? Would she really say this? And then nine times out of 10, we come to an agreement. And I think we've had a several, a couple times when we couldn't and we've given it to the editor. We've, we won't say uh -huh. like who's who, we'll just say here's the two mm -hmm. things and then and we leave it to that. But we do really try to do whatever is in service of the story and the character. I mean, we've left our egos at the door a long time ago, which is good. On the other hand, we do try to surprise each other sometimes. Yes. Ah. You know, like Lynn will write something that we, we hadn't talked about, put, insert something, and she'll call me and say, I'm sending you a chapter and I don't want you to read it until we are on Zoom with each other so I can watch your face. Right. Watch your face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You would so do that. Good. Yes, yeah. she does I that. used to do that yeah. to her. Yeah. It's funny. Oh, but she doesn't tell me, and no. so I open it, and then I call, what did you, wait, <laughs> what just happened? We're going in that direction? But, but it's, it's fun. Yeah. And sometimes it's something really minor. When we were writing Mrs. Parrish, there was a scene I was writing, and it was an Amber scene, and she was, uh, Going, she was in Daphne's dressing room, and there was a, a big closet that she opened. She opened the doors, and she was looking through the drawers, and then she saw this little box in a drawer, and she thought, I wonder what's in that box. Opened the box, and there was a gun in it. And so when I sent the chapter I said, what's to with Lynn, the gun? Said, like, what's, <laughs> what's with the gun? Where did the gun come yeah. from? I don't know, it just appeared in the box. I don't know why. Well, that's, so I wanted to ask you, do, do you surprise yourself sometimes? Yeah. Even oh, when yes. you have, yes. you mm -hmm. think you know what's going on, all, you get into writing it and mm -hmm. all of a sudden this comes up. Well, that's you. why we don't outline, we, we don't do a strict outline. Right. We, we really allow ourselves the freedom to, as, as we're going along, you know, with, within the framework, mm -hmm. within a very loose framework, but then we have freedom to do what we want because we did outline Circle Dance. Our first book. It's, yeah, it was, it's too constraining, and then you're trying to fit, you know, character to plot, and it, it just it was two dimensional, I think. Yeah. But I mean, we apologize to our characters sometimes because all of a sudden <laughs> things get really bad, and we're like, "Well, sorry, you're sorry. dead now," you know, or that's that's <laughs> just. Right. So you say you outline a little. I do think people find that interesting. They wonder whether you know the ending when you start, or do you just sort of generally, when you say outline, have sort of a beginning, middle, and end, you, right. or, and the twist, obviously. Right, right. right. You don't always and know the end. You don't, okay, mm -hmm. yeah. interesting. Yeah, and sometimes we struggle with the end. Yeah. For mm -hmm. one of the books, we kept going back and forth, and we did two endings. We sent our editor two oh, different wow. endings and said, you know, choose your own end. Right. Which choose one your own you adventure. Like. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, and she chose the one that we hoping. Yeah, and even with this book, we had a slightly different ending, and one of our sisters-in-law that's, you know, dedicated said, yeah. oh, really, come on, can't you change it a little bit? <laughs> so we talked about it, and we said, all right, we'll give you a little hope, and that's ah, what, yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. So does anyone else have any questions? Oh, oh yes. I'm just wondering about the process with Reese Witherspoon and her organization. So once you get 
picked for this. Do they then come after you for her production company? I mean, is the last Mrs. Parrish in production now? And do you have to give up control of that to their edits and their way they want the production to be? Mm -hmm. And have you thought about that process or, or, or involved in the process now, I guess? So when she chooses a book for the book club, no, it's not necessarily associated with her production company in terms of film. Um, so, I mean, she has done that with some books. She has not done that with Mrs. Parrish. But it is under option with a different company. We're not allowed to say yet. And, when, and in our case, yes, we ha they have a screenwriter, so the screenwriter will write it. We'll have some input, but essentially, it's really up to them. So you, you know, I mean, it's different for every writer. Yeah. Like yeah. J.K. Rowling has full control over mm -hmm. right what she now. writes. Now she does, but yeah. in the yeah. beginning she didn't. So, right. but typically, if you do sell the rights, that you're selling, you know, and you're hoping that it's going to stay true to the story, but. You really can't. It doesn't have to. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you want, would you want to be involved in that process or would it be ha too hard to reimagine? I mean, it has, some things have to change to, you know, work, to translate to the screen, to the screen right? Yeah. So yeah. would you want to be more involved in that or, or are you happy to hand it over and say, I would this like was to be my more part? Involved. I don't mm -hmm. know. You're on the fence, aren't you? No, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I would hope that it would stay pretty true to the story, that it wouldn't, we did have a script first, uh, it was optioned by a different company and the script was awful. Oh no. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the setting, the characters, oh, everything, gosh, but that yeah. didn't happen, fortunately. Ooh. So that would be upsetting. But I think once, you know, the, the book is ours, the movie yeah. is not. It's a different, it's a, it's it's a a different a, life. Yes. Yeah. I think we have one. Um, oh, hi. Um, what was your favorite book that you wrote? Oh, oh, good question. <laughs> that is a good question. The Last Mrs. Parrish for me, which oh. was the first collaboration. Right. What about you? I mean, that's always going to have a special place, that the, the Last Mrs. Parrish, but I think my favorite twist so far is The Wife Stalker. Okay. I like them all for different reasons. The same, mm -hmm. same with, like, you know, Kids. your children. <laughs> I <just> like that. <laughs> it's hard to have a favorite, favorite, but you can like them all for different reasons. Yeah. <laughs> no. yes. yeah. So cute. Yeah. How about favorite books that you've read? Like, what are your favorite books? Well, in this genre, I mean, of course, I loved Gone Girl. Even yeah. though, I mean, that yeah. was that was, and both of us always liked like Susan Howitch. We used to read, you know, Penn Merrick, the, the those family, the family, the family sagas. sagas, and the historical the stuff. Went and for generations. And yeah, yeah. They were good. yeah, and Nancy Drew. Yes, Nancy oh, Drew yes. was our. That was our. Yes. Yeah. Favorite, favorite. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. And so it started young. You have to. It did. Yeah. And I have Valerie had I like the blue books. Do you remember? I don't know if the Nancy yeah. Drew they that blue oh. cover. And then later, my father used to buy me a new one. But I got I inherited all of Valerie's books, and her name was in them. So I scratched her name out and wrote my name. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Well, they were mine then. Yeah, they were mine. That's <laughs> the youngest child. Sorry. <laughs> thank you all again so much for coming, and I want to thank Kate and Corinne for being so such gracious hosts, and thank you so much to Lynn and Val for being with us today. And I would like to also just make a special thank you to Colette Latiri, who really was so instrumental in making this possible, and for dressing the set. <laughs> 
and I also want to thank Suzanne Jackie of Good West Hampton. Uh, please check out her store if you love what you see up here. And then finally, Red Jacket Books, just across the street, have been a wonderful partner to us. And that's it. So again, make sure that you say hello to Liv Constantine in the lounge. They'll be selling and signing their books there. And thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thanks for joining us.